what we do here is go back, 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 back. You're not, you're not allowed on any more Mount Rushmore's because you're just destroying us. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Mike McDonald. With me, as always, is Andy McDonald, and we have a very special guest with us, Kevin Bryant, new author of probably what's going to be the most exciting book, I would say, if you're a sports fan out on the market, decorated uh, military person. But before we get into all of that, Kevin, how are you doing this night, this evening? Hey, good. Thanks, Micah and Andy. Appreciate you guys having me on the show. Doing real well. Thanks. Like I was saying, within you know your military background, you over twenty years uh, in the military and uh, over thirteen years working with the U.S. government. How was your military service? Did you? I mean, with all that background and that kind of like leading into what we're about to talk about with your book, you think that prepped you pretty well? Yeah, I think the two um, you know paired up really well together. So yeah, I've got. 23 years of experience now working for the military, collecting and protecting um, information for the U.S. government. And 13 of those years was spent as a special agent. And, um, you know, I've had nothing but great experience. I mean, the training, you know, that you get while in the military is definitely second to none. And I turned I turned all that service, you know, you get the GI Bill. So I, I got a couple master's degrees, one in intelligence studies and the other one in sports management which of course really helped when it came to trying to find an agent and trying to get published for this book. That's fantastic. Well, um, as far as going into the book, uh, it is spies on the sideline. Um, it touches on a lot of the secret spying that goes on in the NFL um, and all of the, you know, stuff that really intrigues people when it comes to the, you know, I don't want to say conspiracy theory side of things, but, you know, just all of that business side of stuff, deep, dark secret side of stuff that uh, is great to hear about. People love hearing about what made you want to kind of dive into going after a book like this? Well, I was living in Germany at the time, um, working on my working on those master's degrees and um, Spygate 2 had gone down. And I was, I'm a Broncos fan, so I was pretty, pretty interested in all of that. Um, you know, that was Spygate 2 was when Josh McDaniels moved over. Uh, he was the former offensive coordinator of the Patriots at the time, switched over, became the head coach of, coach of the Broncos. He brought his video coordinator, uh, a former Patriots video coordinator with him. And that coordinator was eventually caught recording a practice. Um, he got in trouble for recording a practice of another team, at which point, you know, pretty much the Broncos, McDaniels and the coordinator all got all got busted. So at that point, you know, that was after Spygate, which I think everyone's pretty familiar with. And I really got to wondering just, man, uh, how much spying goes on in the NFL? Everybody's, you know, kind of aware of it between nation states. Um, and then there's industrial espion espionage, which is a little less commonly known. But I thought sports espionage, you know, is this really a thing? And so I started researching it on the internet. And after about a month, um, I found out, yeah, there's there's a lot of it that goes on, um, but it's all scattered everywhere, in bits and pieces here and there. And um, and frankly, there wasn't enough for a book. 
Um, so I've been wanting to write a book for a long time. And I thought, man, I bet, I bet if I started reading a lot of books on the, on the NFL by former coaches, I could probably find a lot of these stories here and there, as well as interviewing some people and, and trying to collect some more of these. And so that's what I set out to do. And I spent eight years researching, interviewing, and writing this book um, to, to make it happen. So it was a heck of a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun too. Yeah. So um, it, that's just the first, like from the get-go, that was tough to hear because number one, um, Josh McDaniels is the Raiders. This is a Raider Take podcast, right? As you know, um, Josh McDaniels is our new head coach. Um, and then also you're a Broncos fan, which I won't hold against you. Um, but just coming out the gates, I was just like, wow, okay, this this is tough to hear. Um, Track one, mind- two, three. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so thank you for that. Yeah, well, well, it's nice being on. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, this is a pleasure, Kevin. Um, I hope you have a great rest of the evening. But I, I was going to ask, because I, that's something, obviously, um, you being in the business that you are in might have uh, a little bit more knowledge than than us. Um, but what kind of transpired with McDaniels um, in his time with, obviously, bringing over the, the video recorder from um, the New England and whatnot, but what transpired with that whole story? Yeah, so that's really interesting. Um, so, or are you not allowed to tell us? And that's fine. I think we addressed no, that. No, I, we I can go into that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, a bit of it's a mystery, right? So, the Patriots get in trouble for everything Spygate, which involved filming the mainly the defensive signals of various opponents, which violated. I won't even say it was a a rule or a bylaw, it was a memo. It was a Ray Anderson memo that they sent out that specifically stated, hey, this is not permitted. So it's not typical, right? When Josh McDaniels goes to the Broncos, it's not typical to bring along a former video coordinator of the team. Kind of rare, makes you wonder why. And given the Patriots background, of course, there's a lot of questions as to, well, why exactly would Josh McDaniels want to bring this guy along? And maybe they're just good friends, maybe they're buddies, and that's all there is to it. But, you know, when the coordinator, when it, when the Broncos organization found out what had taken place and told the NFL about it, it brought up all those questions. Now, Josh McDaniel stated that I never watched the video. And the NFL went through and did uh, a forensic study and determined that, look, we, we can't prove that Josh McDaniels ever viewed any of this. So the bottom line is no one really knows. Uh, what took place. And then there's there's the big question out there of, you know, were the Patriots taping other teams' uh, practices, which is still a big question that came out uh, during the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl. Everyone had that question. And, um, you know, it appears that the answer to that one was no. Uh, however, they had one of their staff, uh, at least one of their staff members, watch the practice um, and report back to the Patriots about what had happened. And then after that, McDaniels goes to the Broncos, and then this happens, and that question pops up again. Well, were the Patriots really taping practices? Because, right, it, it opened that, it opened that, those doors once again. So, yeah, no one's really exactly sure uh, what McDaniels' uh, role was, but you know, there's there's some evidence. Yeah, who's to say, right? And and like he mentioned in his press conferences, he's a, a lot different head coach um, from his first time to his second time, and. I'm just going to take that as um, all things that have been noted um, publicly or not. So thank you. That, that helps me. So I appreciate that. (laughs) One thing I will say, Andy, you know, so this book, 
it covers everything from tactics and techniques that all NFL teams use, okay, through and that are permissible, that are allowed. So the Patriots and Josh McDaniels by association, um, you know, often get a bad name in, in, in the NFL, NFL circles. I will say this, you know, when my book covers the entire history of the league and what you'll see reading it is that this is not a Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, Patriots activity. This type of stuff goes on throughout the history of the NFL. I, I am quite certain that they are not the only NFL team that's involved in shady um, practices that are violating you know, team rules today. This is just a part of the NFL and it happens. And um, some people will call it cheating, you know, and some people, other people will just say it's just part of the game. And yeah. it's just it's whatever your opinion is. Yeah. And, and I, I know that apologies because I know the book is about the NFL, but when you said McDaniels and Patriots, I was like, okay, man, like I'm vulnerable right now. I thought we had something <laughs> good going on. Um, yeah. so that, so that's so my, my fault on that, but, but yeah, um, it's obviously, and then your book came out last, was it last week, two weeks ago? Yeah. Right. About two weeks ago on the 13th, 13th of July. Very cool. Well, yeah, I mean, so how, how is it going? Like, how, how has it been as, as far as, like you said, you had to, hey, that's not enough of a story to kind of write a book and you've always wanted to, but like, how was the process as far as going through it and, and being able to uncap all these things, um, you know, that you, you recognize and be able to, to come to where you are now um, to be able to publish this book? Yeah, it was really a lot of fun. You know, I, I felt like a big dork at times because, you know, I've, I'm reading through these 60 books, which is about what I read, um, that were written by NFL coaches for the most part or written about NFL coaches. And I'm just going through there and I'm sucking out. Like, I'm like, there may be one page or two page or sometimes just a paragraph. That's good. But I would get so excited when I'd find something good, man. I'd be like, Oh yes, look at this. This is a great story. You know? And my wife would just like, look at me like, what the heck? What, what, what's going on with you? Um, but, you know, or I would do an interview and someone have, a, you know, some good information to share. Yeah. It was it was exciting. It was cool because I really knew that, like, you know, when you put it all together and you get a big picture, it's it, it, this whole book was a puzzle. It was a puzzle of trying to see how everything fit together to make a story and to figure out how it was all done, because, you know, I didn't I don't I'm a lifelong football fan, but I don't have a football background per se. Never played, you know, I'm five foot six, a buck 35. So, you know, I mean, these guys would just kill me if I stepped out on a football field. So, you know, but it was really interesting. But I had the background on, you know, collecting, protecting information, which my book goes into both of those. The offensive side, how do you collect that information? And then how do you defend against it? How do you stop teams from stealing all your secrets, right? So it was really interesting seeing how the NFL worked in that aspect. And then sometimes, you know, having to get advice from, you know, um, guys that were in the league and, you know, get their get their tips and their insights from it. But for the most part, it was just kind of seeing how the NFL worked. And sometimes it's really there. It's really well done. You know, the collection, I was, I, some of these stories, I was like, man, that's impressive, man. That's something I'm like out of a James Bond movie. That's like, wow, good for you guys. You know, yeah. that's cool. And sometimes it was more like, you know, seeing Austin Powers operate and you're just like, <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> like you guys need some help. you know. Mm. So it, which I think makes the book really interesting because you get both of those, yeah. you know, you get, you get stories where it's really well-designed operations and other times you're just like, 
Oh, Who throws man. a shoe? Honestly. It's just com- yeah, it's just yeah. comedy hour. It's great stuff. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, the, it was something that you were saying earlier as far as like, hey, all the, like, all the teams understand the rules and also kind of how to find the gray line. Throughout this process, have you seen any um, rules in the NFL change based on some of those things that maybe the teams previously or I guess in the, the previous years might have towed the line to where the league changed its rules to eliminate some of those things. And obviously some of it may have come from um, Spygate or whatever, but have you seen any like NFL rules that have changed and it has been based off of, like you're saying, your findings of teams kind of pushing the envelope a little bit too much? Yeah. So I would say a few things. Um, first of all, the NFL has way less rules on this subject than I think most fans w- would imagine. So almost everything falls under fair, con- you know, good conduct rules. So very general, mm-hmm. which leaves the commissioner with a whole bunch of discretion on what he wants to punish and mm-hmm. to what extent. So the rules haven't always needed to be tweaked per se, because the commissioner has that leverage. Now, having said that, um, absolutely. So things like teams not wanting to say how many players are injured or to what extent concealing all of that, right? That led to a change in NFL policy of having to push out all that injury information. And that was a result of there was an injured player and it affected the betting lines. And when the NFL looked into it, they thought originally – there was questions of, hey, is this game being rigged? Mm-hmm. Um, and when the NFL looked into it, they found, oh, no, it was because of, you know, the me- media came out and, you know, it was, it was revealed that this player was injured, which, affect the, which affected the betting lines. So, but after that, the NFL said, you know, we really need to, we need to, we need to push this and make this a policy. And so they, they did that. Spygate had a lot of changes as well after that. Headsets, before then, there were not the defense did not have headset to defensive coordinator communication. That was a result of Spygate. Um, That was actually the league had voted on that the year before um, and had narrowly not passed uh, with Bill Belichick voting against it. Interesting. (laughs) Imagine that, you know, Josh McDaniels voted for it though. So for all the Raider fans sleep easy tonight. Anyways, yeah. So, so yes, there are some changes that become out because of uh, these type of actions, but by and large, no. Mm. And one of the really interesting things is how often teams won't make a big deal of some of these things, because frankly, it's just like, it's just like, oh man, it's just kind of expected. Like you may think like spying on practices is this big, huge deal, but a lot of times teams will know who's behind it and they'll just be like, eh, whatever, man, just, you know, like, you know, you, you, you kick the guy out, you do the best you can, or you, you do whatever defensive countermeasures you need to to protect your your team and their information. Um, but at the end of the day, they're like, eh, I don't want to bring up this whole big deal. And half the time, teams are reluctant to bring that stuff up because they know so many, so many of them implement measures that are at least questionable. It's one of those things, you know, you don't want to throw a rock in, in a glass house, right? Because, you know, if you're involved in shady stuff, do you really want to point out when it, you know, someone else is doing something too, because it can backfire on you. It'll come back to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, last question. I'll, I'll let Micah jump in. Uh, probably not the last question, but um, kind of hijacking this thing. Um, but what you were saying as far as like the um, injury reporting, 
So it sounds like, hey, they're, you know, the NFL historically has just been a little bit um, loose in allowing the commissioner to determine, you know, proper uh, disciplinary actions or whatever. Um, but the injury report is something that I believe has recently changed to where I think it's like a Thursday, right? The Thursday, the Thursday or Friday, the official injury report has to come out. And instead of like, Hey, this is just what you should do. It's like, this is affecting the betting lines, which affects the bottom line of the NFL, right. From a revenue standpoint. Um, and I just think that's, it is without speaking for you, is that kind of the looseness around it? It's like, until it affects something on the bottom line for the NFL, like they're not going to step in and be like, it's gotta be pretty cut and dry. In my opinion, you're pretty spot on there, Andy. Off the record, Kevin. Obviously, you off the yeah. obviously off the record. Yes. <laughs> um, so the NFL has a entity called NFL Security, okay, and their job is to deal with all this type of stuff. So they deal with you know gambling, especially ensuring players, coaches, owners aren't involved in gambling. But they're also you know they're the investigative wing of the NFL. So there's potential gang activity that maybe it's, you know, whether it's a player involved in this type of stuff or whatever ties, right? They're looking into all, all of this type of stuff to make sure that the NFL runs smoothly and that there is no bad publicity additionally. So anything that the NFL can handle on the down low, they're going to do so, okay? So it's no different than any other business. You know, no business wants to air their dirty laundry. And, and the NFL is a, you know, billion dollar business. So they're certainly, you know, we've seen what bad publicity can do in the form of, you know, players taking a knee during the national anthem or uh, Spygate, right? Those types of activities can cost the NFL tens, hundreds of millions of dollars, if not into the billions. So big, big money at stake. So yeah, Andy, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like you see whatever the disciplinary action is, if it's a, a full season, four games or whatever, you can kind of tell or read into as far as how they truly feel about it. You know, it's like if because then if you compare apples to apples, you're like, OK, well, and I'm not for or against on the record of Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. Right. Whatever. But he's been he's been out of the NFL since that happened. And then you can get into the deflate gate, the spy gate, whatever it is. Right. And it's been like it's a slap on the wrist because ultimately what it what you need is tom brady on the field the patriots winning super bowls you know um good businesses you know it always brings it in so anyways we so we do live um listener questions that come in as we go um and one of them actually kevin um said kevin off the record based on the john gruden um situation off the record again would you say that maybe it's not a coincidence um and that was from at mel dreamy <laughs> just it, you, un, you know your own thoughts uh, yeah i mean i don't want to give a definitive one way okay or fair enough sorry about that <laughs> no no wor no worries uh yeah it's hard to think too that they have if they had ten thousand plus emails or whatever that number was that john gruden was the only person that had any incriminating information and i think jerry jones would be the number one guy if i had to guess that was going to have some dirty laundry out there uh, that Goodell was pre um, protecting. No, John Gruden, Raiders head coach. That's the other thing is the NFL is out for the Raiders. Everybody knows that. So, Well, you know, I mean, that's one of the interesting things in the book, in, in the research of the book that I saw was that, you know, at times there are, there are general managers, there are coaches, even players that are collecting information on each other. So, 
you know, coaches collecting information on the players in order to say, especially back in the day when it came to salary, you know, negotiations, they'd be like, Hey, you know, I know you, uh, I know you're asking me for a, you know, $5,000 raise a year or whatever it was, you know, back in the, back in the day, what they're yeah. like, but you know, I know you snuck out at, at bed checks, uh, this night, this night here. I know you went to the bar and violated our no drinking policy before this game, you know? And so, and they do, and they, you know, it's like little, you know, little cards they can file away and cash in on a rainy day. And um, so if you don't think that, you know, GMs and whatnot are, are looking out and checking what the NFL is doing and, and likewise, vice versa, it, it all, it all takes place. Absolutely. And, you know, as for the Raiders, um, certainly have a bit of a, a reputation, I think via Al Davis, uh, which, hmm. you know, when I started the research in my book as, as a Broncos fan, just trying to get kicked off the show again. Um, <laughs> oh. You know, I remember the Al Davis of like his last decade when, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't on top of his game. Certainly but not. But reading, reading the book and doing the research, man, I, you, I, I just, I learned what a incredible football figure he was and his importance and his role and how creative he was. And he was the Bill Belichick before Bill Belichick. That guy was incredible, um, just amazing, and such great stories. I mean, such such a character. I, I actually, he's he's probably one of my favorite NFL characters in the whole history of the league. After having done the research for the book, well, thank you for that. We appreciate it. It, it, it hurt me a little to say, but yeah, I know, I know, right, that's fair. But <laughs> like you mentioned, you're trying to get yourself kicked off, and you're just trying to stay on. You know, it's all good. Right. Um, obviously, we you know. We'll read the book, going through it. Everyone, we would encourage everyone to read this book. Obviously, fantastic um, information that we don't have, but just a few nuggets on Al Davis, um, if you don't mind, if you're able to share um, just what you discovered throughout this process. Yeah, so Al Davis had his man. He uh, the thing I liked about Al Davis, he was like Bill Belichick. He was going to use the whole spectrum of collection techniques, and if he didn't use them. Well, by God, he was at least going to perpetuate the rumors that he did use them, um, like listening devices. You know, half the league was convinced that Al Davis put in listening devices in the, you know, in the visiting team's locker room. So there were actual coaches who, you know, there's one coach who yelled up at the ceiling, you know, he's like, you know, Al Davis, I know you're up there, you know, I mean, and that's how paranoid they were. And, and he would never deny it, you know, because he wanted to perpetuate that myth. That yes, you had to worry about that because when you have to worry about all of those things, it's detrimental. Okay, so what happens when you can't have a proper locker room talk? You know, what if, what if you can't make proper halftime adjustments or whatever else because you're scared to talk in there? It affects the game. So yeah, I mean, Davis was, you know, he would do things like elicit information from other coaches. So when he would have a new hire on his team, um, he'd have an open position. He'd bring in all these coaches, ton more, tons more than most people would interview, right? He'd bring them all in and sometimes sit down. He sat down with Bill Belichick for two days looking at hiring him. And all he's doing is just sucking up all this information out of him, right? How do you do things? And he's just talking to the best minds in the game just to learn from them and figure out how they do things. So he was great with that type of stuff. Um, he was, he one time dressed up when he was with Sid Gilman. And the Chargers is an assistant. 
he dressed up as a reporter, uh, went into the um, the locker room of another team, and you know, and 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 sat down and asked the player. He's like, "Hey, uh, what's what's the toughest play for you guys to deal with?" You know, and the player's sitting there. Oh, let me tell you. And he's diagramming every stuff thing, writing up on a board. And Al Davis is just taking notes with this, you know. And then, you know, the coach, the coach ends up seeing, you know, seeing Al Davis is like, Davis, you know, get out of here, you know. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, he was thought to be behind calling another coach at halftime and uh, pretending to be the owner of the other team um, <laughs> just to try to, you know, get information. I mean, He's just oh, a character, and, and, you know, I think it, it makes him all the more lovable. Yeah, the only way to find the line is to cross it once in a while, you know. <laughs> hey, they never said you couldn't dress up as a reporter, you know. That was not not the rules. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And th this isn't even like – sorry, Mike, I, I'll let you go. But um, one of the funniest things that's, like, not crossing the line but, like, kind of is um, Bo Jackson, right? So when the Raiders – or when the Raiders ended up taking him the year before – he was drafted by the Buccaneers, um, number one overall. And he didn't, he just said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go play baseball. I'm going to go play for the mm -hmm. Kansas City Royals. And then um, after that point, everyone just figured Bo Jackson was done. He's playing baseball. And then Al Davis calls him in the seventh round of the next year's draft. And then he's like, oh, Oakland? Or, or I guess it might have been Los Angeles. Like, yeah, I'll go there. It's just like, he's always just trying to find like avenues to like whatever. Yeah. And then he signed with the Raiders. And we got Bo Jackson in the seventh round. People forget probably the best value pick of all time. Um, but anyway, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the one thing Al Davis did better than anybody else in the league for a long, long time was know the personnel that were available and he got tons of great steals. And, you know, there's a quote in my book about how it always seemed like, like Al Davis walked around, like he, he had a secret um, that you didn't know. And, you know, and then the quote continued that, and he probably did. Um, and he just knew, he knew the league personnel better than anybody out there. And one of the things with the NFL that has changed over time is that, you know, the salaries of players and the contracts that were, th that were signed, that used to be hidden information. That was, that was team information that was not known league wide. And if you wanted to figure out all of that, well, you had to do some snooping. And that was, and Davis just worked his magic there. And he was really good at, at learning all that stuff, knowing it, knowing when a player was available, and then knowing how to motivate that player to come play for the Raiders as well. Before we get back to more Kevin Bryant and the spies on the sideline, we have a quick word from our sponsor. Football fans, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football their first ever NFT fantasy game. A new way to enjoy daily fantasy football. A new shot to win millions in prizes. And the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, craft your lineup of athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TPPN. Click the Rainmaker tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free 
for millions in prizes all football season and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, and I think that's one one reason why, like even up to probably the five years before he passed away, you see all these like legendary draft busts for the Raiders. They would every single year there was a pick, and it was like, well, he must know something what we don't know because he's taken it and he's been so good at like judging like players and talent and all that stuff. It's like we're taking Darius Hayward Bay in the first round. Um, shouldn't shouldn't have been there, but. That's happening. Jamarcus Russell pick, all that kind of stuff. There was every single year it was like there was almost kind of hope behind it because you're like, it's Al Davis. He must know something. He must know what he's doing and we're just going to trust it. Yeah. And he, yeah, I mean, he was he was great for so long that you, you had to give him that benefit of the doubt. Right. I don't know if it worked out, you know, in the later years. Uh, no, it didn't. But, yeah. Right. But um, yeah, but he was yeah in his prime. He was he was a, he was at the top of the league. Last question on him, at least on my end, um, as far as, you know, Davis, you know, and, and, and it's been documented and also there's a, I think a 30 for 30 on it, but I think it's Al Davis versus the NFL, but like with the, the merger of, you know, the AFL and the NFL and kind of coming in and, and how he played you, would you speculate that there could have been, I guess, this resounding, it's not, not bias, but like always kind of like grudge or whatever it is against Al Davis because of how he came into the NFL and how successful they were once they merged um, essentially and kind of how that it's, it's hard to say that it's, it's like, Oh, they've been holding this thing for 50 years. Right. Because it's been, what was it Bagley do or whatever his name is um, to Goodell or yep. whatever it is. So yep. um, do you sense any of like this, like kind of transition and because not just because the commissioner, but also the owners of the teams have been pretty, you know, consistent throughout the years as well. Do you, do you see any of that kind of recurring consistency of, not bias. I'm not trying to say bias, but yeah. like, you know, hard feelings. We'll go with that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. Um, so I've got a chapter on that subject in my book, the battle AFL versus the NFL and all of the spying incidents that went on during that, that struggle for who was going to control professional American football. And while, you know, it seems today like, oh, there's no way anyone would ever supplant the NFL. Well, man, the AFL was right there and nobody won that battle. They just merged. Mm-hmm. That's the end. So Al Davis was instrumental, instrumental character in that struggle. Uh, so both sides ended up setting up what are called babysitters, which were business figures that would support either league and go and try to recruit the best prospects in college football to go play for their respective leagues. And Davis was the one in charge of this for the AFL. And he did it for the the entire league. So these guys would go try to convince these prospects to play for the league. And then when they'd find them, very often um, they would babysit them, watch them to make sure the other league didn't convince them to go to the other side. And sometimes they would even hide them away especially after their college career had ended and before the draft. So they would take these guys and sometimes it'd be, they'd hide them in ones or twos. Sometimes they'd have 20 guys all in one location. And then if the other side wanted to sign that player, they'd have to find them. 
and go investigate with their family. Hey, do you know where so-and-so is? Has he called you? Has he blah, 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 blah. And often they'd find them. And then they have to secretly go try to talk to that player while the babysitters aren't watching or aren't there or aren't around. And it led to some really, really crazy stories. But yeah, so Davis is in charge of all this. And at the end of that struggle, he is the commissioner of the AFL or whatever that position was called at the time. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was, and, and frankly, there's a lot of speculation that Al Davis did not want the two leagues to merge. He wanted to take down the NFL. Right. Like and Vince so, McMahon with the XFL kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And then you combine everything with all of the, you know, um, with all of the, the, the collection techniques, the spying that he either conducted or was suspected of doing, moving the Raiders, which was a big struggle with the NFL as well. Um, so, you know, he pushed the envelope a lot and he, he didn't have a good name among NFL leadership because of that. But man, he, I mean, he changed the NFL drastically and so in a lot of ways for the better because of that. Yeah. I'm sure it was like, and he, he did a lot of great things, obviously very, you know, a lot of the reasons the Raiders have a historic, um, you know, football franchise, but I, I'm sure at those owners meetings, you know, last 10 years they're like dude shut up like we don't need this right now and he's just like hold on a second i object like he's the only one that's just like for no reason they're like uh, the the type of gatorade that's served he's just like nope i don't i don't agree with that you know not to say they discussed that um but anyways it, that's fascinating um is is there anything and so just so you know kevin mike and i have both ordered the books today um and we will get through those so i know a lot of the things i've asked you like hey Chapter six, man, let's dial in, you know, I'm going to get there. And I assure you that, is there anything that maybe it's like, uh, that wasn't included in the book. That's a good story that you could share on the record. Actually. I won't say necessarily a good story, but I did, you know, I had some interesting parts that I, I, I wrote these chapters and they ended up getting cut because, you know, there's always material that gets cut from your book. I think I ended mm. up with like, geez, I don't know. 70 80 pages total that eventually didn't make the you know didn't make the book as it gets pared down um i had one chapter on nfl security just how it works who they are what they do i th thought that was pretty interesting i had another one on um inter and intra team collection so like how teams collect on their own personnel at times so i think the best material that was probably cut was bed check material and I use that as, you know, I mean, that's very loosely collection, but you know, one of the big things is, you know, when it comes to spying, right. Coaches want to know that their players are tucked in bed at night. Uh, so they get a good night's rest for practices or for a game and whatever. So the Raiders, particularly under John Madden, uh, when they had those, that band of rebels uh, playing under him, you know, Madden tried to corral these guys and set, set up the, <laughs> Oh, very, yeah, very loose. Um, and John Madden was a psychologist. So he, you know, he had a psychology bachelor's degree. So he, he, he knew, you know, how to, how to work with them. Um, so it was very interesting, you know, these stories where you get these Raiders players that do things like, um, you know, uh, put the, put the pillows in, in the, you know, bed in the shape of a person and then use a lampshade to try to make, you know, in the shape of a head. And then John Madden will walk into the room and flip on a light. And, you know, for, and then the guy's head's glowing, you know, underneath the sheets, you know, <laughs> and so, um, you know, that's why you got to go, you got to go the basketball technique. You put the basketballs ahead. So then there's no... right. You know, and at, at one point 
they, Madden had a uh, one of his assistant coaches out there in the bushes at a hotel, writing down the license plates of any Raiders, you know, cars that would go by to try to, you know, to get him in trouble, basically to track him down and all that. Well, one of the players noticed what was going on and saw the coach. And so he called the police and said, hey, we've got some suspicious activity out here. Some dudes in the bushes like doing this stuff. Right. And so the cops came and like, so, you know, this coach has to, you know, he's got to leave and, you know, all this kind of stuff. As soon as the coach leaves, because the police showed up, all the players slip out the back door and go out and go drinking that night. And, um, you know, it's, you know, so there are some really funny stories there that I would have, have loved to have seen the, uh, the light of day, but, um, you know, it, it, it didn't work out, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe a future book. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Very cool. When uh, when you were doing all this research for this stuff, so when I'll backtrack for a minute, when we when I heard about this book and that it was coming out, I kind of thought like I don't think I've ever heard of a book like this before, at least not that I know of. Is there anything else out there that's written about stuff like this? I mean, when you were doing your research, was there any cross reference stuff of other books that were on this topic? I feel like it's a one and only type of thing. Yeah, so Brian O'Leary has a book out called uh, Spygate. It's a good rundown of Spygate and the Patriots during one very specific point in time. But if you're talking like league-wide and you're talking about, hey, I want to know like all the collection activities that go out there. Like, you know, I mean, I've got stuff that's permissible, advanced scouting, you know, obviously film study with that, uh, debriefing players as they switch players and coaches as they switch teams, you know, elicitation, listening devices, headset tampering, spying on practices, lip reading, you know, all this stuff as a collective whole, all this stuff together, and then going through the whole history of the league and talking about, and I've got stories from every single NFL team. So no matter, you know, what team you're a fan of, there's something there for you. No, there's no book like that. And as a matter of fact, there's really no book in sports, period. That is like, that is like this. So yeah, it's very, it's very new and and different. And I think that's what makes it, you know, pretty, pretty exciting and unique. Very cool. And and rest assured, Kevin, we will not purchase that book that you mentioned just about Spygate. Like that's it. Like come on, man. We we need to we need to see the whole NFL. We will never purchase that book or read it. Just so you know, our commitment and alliances <laughs> with you. And we can keep talking about the book. Obviously, we're very excited for you um, and excited to read it as well. But just, you know, how are you feeling about your Broncos, you know, in general? Well, you know, yeah, the quarterback situation's looking up. So that's good. Oh, um, you didn't want to rock with two lock? I thought he was great. <laughs> uh, no, well, you know, I mean – it is what it is. But I think, you know, Russell Wilson will be a, a, a clear improvement. The one thing that the Broncos have had for a number of years is a pretty decent receiving core. And I'm excited to see what Russell Wilson can do with that, along with a pretty, um, pretty creative um, offensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, basically Denver's going to design, you know, they designed a, a new offense around Russell Wilson and his capabilities. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, Russell wasn't too happy in Seattle with playing in a fairly conservative run heavy offense. He always yep. felt like, hey, I could be one of those, you know, one of those top quarterbacks if they just, you know, let me go and let me do my thing. And I think he's going to get the opportunity in Denver. So we'll figure out what that means. I don't think anyone's really 100% sure 
what it's going to look like yet, but, but it's exciting. No, I mean, definitely a better offense that he's surrounded by. And, and obviously you guys have a lot of good weapons, you know, and, and you built an offense around Tim Tebow. And I think that's cool. You know, so why couldn't you do it with Russell Wilson? You know, very exciting. What about a record prediction? I know we'll get back to the book, I promise. Um, but just record prediction. What do you think? First? 10 and 6. 10 and 6? Oh, well, 17, 17 games now. I had to learn that lesson like two weeks ago. We've been very yeah. bad at math. You're right. Uh, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. Of it, because of it. It's it's really thrown all the 10 and 6. Off. Something, something, something big's going to happen. 10 6. Something and big's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I don't know if I'm willing to go 11 and 6. I think you should. Sure. Why not? Absolutely. 11 and six. And then maybe, maybe come on the podcast, right? Next time, like the first time we're facing up against each other, right? We'll talk about the book, be like, Hey, how has everything been? Have you been selling as much books as you think? And then how about this game that's coming up? You know, we could, we could figure that out. (laughs) That sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. A little trash talk. There you go. Well, I mean, you could just roast us if you want. I mean, you started out with McDaniels. You're like, hey, I know this has nothing to do with the Raiders, but Josh McDaniels, you know, he's a cheater. And we're like, hey, man, we didn't really need this right now. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, Al Davis and a lot of uh, we'll call him, we'll call him unusual techniques, and it it worked well for him for a long time. So that's true. Yeah. No, you've been very you know? kind. You've been very kind to us. Kevin, I promise. I, I we just ordered the book today, so coming on Friday, I'm gonna I'm gonna get through that thing. Are you? I don't know how you are on time right now, but if you're open to an exercise, you good? Awesome. Oh yeah. So we do a little thing called uh, Mount Rushmore. Okay. So Mount Rushmore is, as you know, right, um, four historical figures up there, um, and, and we usually pick a topic where it starts with one of us. And it goes like, for instance, it would go from you to Micah to me, and then from me to Micah to you. And we pick the topic. And I just as football fans, sports fans in general, um, I wanted to see if you're open to this Mount Rushmore exercise. Sure. Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> you're like, fine. All right, dude. Um, <laughs> what could go wrong? Strong armed. Yeah. <laughs> Who's to say? Yeah. And it has nothing to do about confidentiality. I've already pushed the envelope a little bit, just like Al Davis. Um, but we're going to go with um, just a Mount Rushmore of just like sports fans, just like what they say as they're watching the game, right? Just reactions. Okay. So what it can do is it can start with me. So as you're watching a Broncos game, right. Or any sports team that you, that you watch. Okay. It'll start with me and I'll give my reaction. It's basically anyone that just watches a game and it, boom, this is what it is, but you only, you can only pick four. Fair. <laughs> I'll pick it up as we go. Okay, yeah, fair, fair enough. That's kind of how it works, actually. Yes. So it, so it, it's just kind of what we do. It's just a lie. We don't have much to talk about, even though you know training camp has happened, just reported. So um, it's a Mount Rushmore of sports reactions as okay. a fan sitting on the couch. Okay. So I'm going to start, and then we'll go to Micah, and then we'll go to you, but then you'll have two back to back. Okay. Cool. So my first one is going to be like, come on, right? So as you're watching the game, you're just like, come on. You're just yelling at your team at the screen for no reason. No one can hear you. So that's my number one. Mike, it's you. Yeah. Um, my number one is that's pass interference. Is every play, anytime there's a ball, whether it's usually obviously when your team's on offense, um, they throw a deep bomb, maybe it gets overthrown a little bit. That's pass interference because you always just, you're hoping for the flag. So mm-hmm. 
Um, just reclining in the chair, just yelling at the TV. One of the things I yell very often, and more often than not, it's not pass interference. So, and I'm so sorry for putting you on the spot, by the way, but I think, <laughs> I think you got this. I no, no worries. Got, I think you got this. Uh, stupid call. Yes. Uh, I I get so annoyed at coaches calling a really just dumb play mm-hmm. over and over. Because uh, it could be a, the the coach's call or like the penalty. You're just like that's a dumb call. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You see that too. And, That's a great um, pick. Yeah, get rid of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. That's a very, uh, you know, very. Common. I'll give him one, two, three boneheaded plays. But if I see four in a game, I'm just like, hey, just cool. cut him. <laughs> oh, that was just beautiful. Kind of, just, just. Oh man, you're this is yep. You already have the best list, Micah. You're up, man. So this one is, this one's dumb because it comes from just like muscle memory from like playing football in high school and stuff like that, but just yelling pass, pass, pass as if, as if the defense could hear you, um, that you're letting them know. Cause we used to have to do that. Like you're on the sideline, defense is out on the field. They drop back for a pass. You're yelling pass. You're letting everybody know that it's a pass. And when I do that at the TV, it's the dumbest thing in the world because obviously no one can hear me, but just a muscle memory thing. Yeah. You're committed to it. That's a good one. I think I'm going to go with, uh, I'll go with the Belichick, you know, I'll go with like when you see just a missed assignment or, or someone just fumbling it, whatever it is. It, I just say, do your job, man, just do your job. You know, it's like you get paid millions, do your job. Um, they can't hear me by any means, but it's, I'm just reinforcing that. And then Micah, actually my third one, I'm going to go back to you. It's, it's, I call out the, blo- uh, this draw. I call out the draw where the, the offensive line does this like little back. Oh, we're passing. And then they go forward, draw, draw. They, they let them through whatever. I, I yell draw at the TV for no reason, but yeah, that's, that's my third one. So back to you. All right. Um, so for my third one, I probably have to just say yelling at the ref saying, are you blind? Because mm. obviously when they miss a call or they make a mm-hmm. terrible call, just, they, yeah. they obviously have to be blind not to be able to, you know, correct see what we just saw on the television mm. um, from a camera that's way farther away than they are. So physically impaired. Um, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, your, your, your list is too hot right now. You got to, I mean, cool it off a little. No, no. <laughs> no keep going. Gotta end it. It, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Run the football. <laughs> yes. I can't tell you oh. how many times I see that the, the Broncos have the game like in hand and I'm like, just, just run the football. Like stop, stop trying to do any passes, because nothing good's going to happen, right? Just run the run the football. You're they not you're not allowed on any more Mount Rushmore's because you're just destroying us. Your list is dang good. Okay, <laughs> keep going. Gosh, yep. Um, and then second, which kind of goes it goes with it. Don't do anything stupid. Yeah. Because I'll see the game's in hand. I'm like, just don't don't do anything stupid. And then you know it's a reverse flea flick flicker. You know. <laughs> hand the ball off to the cheerleader. She does a statue of Liberty, you know, and I'm just like, what, why the game is one stop. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I get, I get that same way. And it's usually when someone is in the open field with not securing the ball, you know, they're like holding the ball out here. Like, Oh, I'm going for a big play. I'm like, don't do anything stupid. Don't do it. You know, right. Hold it in the air. The last 20 yards to the end zone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right. Well, Kevin won. Um, but Mike, I guess we'll continue this <laughs> yeah. for second place. My last one is going to just be yelling at the t- yelling at the offense to hurry up because they're taking too long. Um, 
especially in like a two minute drill when you're, you're like, you need to drive down the field and then you see the quarterback sitting there pointing, making all these calls and you're watching the, the uh, play clock tick down and you're like, hurry up, hurry up, get on the ball or spike it or, or hike it, whatever. Just yelling at them to hurry up because it just seems like they're not going to get the ball off. And then they do because they always get it off on time. But there just doesn't feel like there's any urgency when you need to get down and score a touchdown and there's 45 seconds left and you're walking the line of scrimmage. No, that's a good one. Well, mine will be my last one will be just being a Raider fan in general. Um, I usually just say we're going to fucking lose. Like, like we're not going to win this game. You know, like at, like we could be up three touchdowns. I'm like, we're going to blow this basically. It's, it's like just the pessimism. I'm just like, no shot. I'll just walk around and we can, we can be up 30, which we've probably never been in the last 20 years. Um, but just, you know, up a big margin. I'm just like, we're losing, we're losing this game. Just negative. Um, so I'm going to close it out with that because I never believe the Raiders won't, you know, end up blowing it because they've done it a lot. That's it. We've all been there, Andy. Fans of every team have been there. <laughs> well, we really appreciate your time. And we really appreciate you jumping in on that exercise. Um, you know, just last minute, Andy, throwing one off the cuff and, and, and rocking that. Absolutely. Before we get out of here, you want to tell the people where they can find the book, where they can get it, where they can buy it, and where they can find you if you're if you're out there on any social media? Yeah, absolutely. So www.spiesonthesidelines.com is my website, and that's got lots of information about me, about the book, all your purchasing options, and my social, social media handles. And the book's available um, in hardback and electronic version right now. And I will have an audio book hopefully out in the next two to three weeks for purchase as well. Fantastic. Well, like I said, we really appreciate you coming on with us. We really appreciate your time. Everybody go out there, buy the book, read it. It's going to be the greatest thing you've ever read. Uh, I, I, I can almost guarantee with if you're an NFL fan. Um, it's, it's very interesting and training camp just started, but we are still somewhat in the dog days of summer where you got to have something to, to, you know, get you right. through till NFL season starts, college football starts. So this is going to be a great way to do it. Go out there and buy the book. Uh, Kevin, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks guys. It's been a lot of fun. Even, even for a Raiders podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, we appreciate it. Yeah. We ha- you're, you were a great guest, even for a Broncos fan. So <laughs> Fair enough. Cool. Thanks, Appreciate Kevin. it. See you. All right. Thanks, guys.